Welcome back, my friends. It's another episode of the Shema Podcast. I want to dedicate this episode in the merit of my Harusa, Ross Altman, an amazing yid. We started learning together probably like three months ago, and he's new to learning about Torah. But I'll tell you something, never give up on another Jew. Once a Jew knows that the Torah is true, the Torah is Hashem, wherever they are in their life, wherever stage, wherever age, once they know that truth, they run. They run quickly towards Torah and mitzvot. It's so inspiring to see someone come alive for the first time. The questions he was asking brought me to the conclusion that we should study Knowing God's Plan by Ramchal to answer all these questions. But I'll tell you that his pursuit and his desire to take on more and more mitzvot is just incredible. He just got his first pair of tefillin, the first time he put on some kosher tefillin since he had his bar mitzvah, which not to date him too much, but I think was in the early 70s and those tefillin were no longer kosher. But I reached out to Rabbi Ari Wolby since Ross wanted me to be his sort of spiritual guide and I... And what Rabbi Ari told me was, you got to slow him down. He's just moving too fast. You got to let him get to a place, get comfortable with it before surging forward once again. And what has been really special about this relationship and learning is that after we have a conversation about a particular topic, I'll go home that evening and realize I had that exact same conversation with Rabbi Yokoff will be 10, 12 years ago. It's like I'm reading from the same script, except now I'm reading Rabbi Yokoff Wolby's side of the script and Ross is reading mine, the same back and forth and questions, concerns. It's brought back all those memories, which has given me a tremendous amount of gratitude for Rabbi Ari and Rabbi Yokoff Wolby for guiding me and teaching me so many years ago. So Ross has had a very meaningful impact on my life. Matter of fact, he's someone that we met at a fundraiser event, but he was listening to my podcast, and that's how we got to know each other. He called me up with questions. One of the beauties of this podcast is it's allowed me to connect with so many fellow Jews, even though we may even not be living geographically near each other. So may Hashem bless Ross with always keeping that youthful spirit and that passion to come close to him and learn his Torah and, and learn the insights of Torah and to continue to, at the proper pace, do more and more mitzvot, and may Hashem bless me with the wisdom to know how to guide such a lofty, amazing, sweet neshama back to Him. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories, as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars, demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, Go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. So if you remember several podcasts to go after I had taken a bit of a break from publishing anything, I said how one of the things I wanted to do after listening to Rabbi Yokoff Wugelinter teach Rabbi Nachman about how to bring in the era of Mashiach is not to sit idly by waiting for Mashiach to come, but we play our role in this by working to live in that era now, to see beyond the veil, the illusion of nature, and see Hashem. And said that what I was going to try to do is, is 
find those experiences so I could share them with you. And Hashem's listening to everything because he certainly is orchestrating all these events in my life to do these episodes. Now, before I mention to you that I wanted to really just work to see beyond nature and I wanted to see how Shim is, when I wake up in the morning, I started about six, seven months ago going outside. And since I get up very early, 4, 4.30, I like to just look up at the sky and that's where I have my morning conversation with Hashim and, and talking to him, a way to get myself grounded. You know, to sit there and tell him like, do not let me forget that my job here in this world is not my business affairs, it's to serve you. But one of the things I started doing was saying, I, I, I want to see beyond this illusion, this veil of nature. I want to see you now and, and everything that's going on. And you could definitely say my prayers are being answered. Because I mentioned to you a few episodes ago that you know I got laid off from work and I shared with you that incredible experience. And I was sort of thinking back on a series of events around this area of my livelihood and finances. And I realized that, you know, early on, I, I shared on an earlier podcast about how I learned about Sadaka very early on and how I would give Sadaka and money would come back. I give Sadaka, money would come back many times over. And when I was living up in the suburbs, business was going really well and effortlessly. I had a nice base salary. Bonuses were coming in every month. I was giving 20% Sadaka saving lots of money, putting it away, investing it. I mean, it become effortless. But then my daughter, who was quickly approaching the ninth grade, said, Dad, it's time. Sell the house. Let's move to a community. And the only reason I delayed is because even though in the across the nation, real estate prices were going through the roof in the suburb where I lived, there was the final sort of division of the of the suburb that was being built out. So there was all these new homes on the marketplace that my home, that was around four years old, was competing with. And prices were very depressed, even though in the rest of the country, prices are skyrocketing. But my daughter was right. We had to move. We had to get to the community. So I sold. And... I lost every bit of equity I put into that home. I think I walked away needing to pay a few hundred bucks to cover what I owed on the mortgage. And then we come to the community and business started to really suffer. And at that point, they had agreed to my initiative of really trying to build the organization to be a much bigger growth machine. And they put me over sales and marketing They moved the person that was handling it before to be president, and and we started building out the structure, but sales were really drying up. There was a very slow grind of asset compression. And so there was no more bonuses once I moved to this community. And then about a year and a half ago, my wife has her conversion. We get married. A very big milestone in our growth. And in a few weeks after that event, since we were doing a lot of hiring, the CEO and president asked if we could work out a, a different deal with my comp structure, lower the base by $50,000, but create a much richer bonus structure. So as I got the business turning around and growing, I would make even more money than under the old structure. 
the business still continued to suffer. And so all that amounted to, for me, was making $50,000 less a year. And then, just recently, as I shared with you, my daughter has her conversion, another big milestone for my family. And the following day, I get let go from my company. So what's happening here? You know, in the early stages of giving Sadaka, it was almost as if I gave because I knew Hashim would return it right away. And I remember when I moved here and I expressed my frustration to Rabbi Brody, he said, look, you, you're in the all-stars now being in this community. Things are going to get a little more tougher. Can you continue to give Sadaka even if Hashim is not acting like your ATM machine, kicking back out two to three times as much as you give? And even now, I mean, you look at all these things that have taken place, he is really answering my prayers. I want to see beyond the illusion of nature. He knew, he's outside of time, he knew that I would want that. It'd become time to really see the, the truth about the world. You know, there's a midrash that discusses when Hashem would bring mana to the Jews in the wilderness, that every day he would bring down enough manna to feed them for a thousand years. That he would tell them, only grab your portion for the day. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to instill, not in them, my friends, but all of us, even today, in the year 2023, that he is infinite. We are, in essence, akin to living in the mind of our infinite internal creator. And he was trying to demonstrate there was no reason to hoard and save the mana. He can provide it every single day. And when he brought us into the land of Israel and said, now it's time to farm the lamb, but remember, this is a test. Remember where all your sustenance is coming from. It's still coming from me, but just behind the veil of nature. And when we read these things and learn about them, I think everyone believes this is true. This happened, and this is what Hashem is telling us. But do we know it? The only story I've heard of someone who knew this to clearly delineate believing in something and knowing something is the Baal Shem Tov, who at the end of every day, if he had any food or money in his home, he would come to the conclusion that Hashem gave him too much so he would take that and go give it away to people in need and sleep soundly throughout the night, knowing that Hashem would provide him his nourishment the following day and all of his needs. Now, I don't think there's anyone in our generation that is at that level where they are could empty out all their investment accounts, bank account, everything in their pantry and fridge and sleep peacefully all night. I think if anyone tried to do that these days, we'd wake up in a panic attack, wondering how we're going to feed our families. But Hashem is wanting us to strive to go back to remember the reality and the truth. When it comes to our livelihood, one of the things we need to understand is that our effort that we put into our livelihood has absolutely zero impact on the outcome and how much money we make. How much money we earn in a year, or let me rephrase that, how much money we receive in a year, is determined by Hashem at Rosh Hashanah. That's it. Now, we put effort in because that is the curse that was given to Adam to, by the sweat of your brow, you'll work for your bread. But we have the ability by deepening and deepening our bitachon and our amuna that we can remove that curse. 
But with sort of like this sliding scale, the more bitcoin we have, the less effort we have to put into it. But keeping in mind, whatever effort we put into our livelihood, it literally has no bearing on the amount of money we make. And that's one of the things that was driving me crazy at my last organization, why I was praying to Hashem about, I don't know if I should be here because in the position I was in, I could not control how much work I had to do. I had people telling me, we need this, we need that, we need this projects, can you have it done by this deadline? So I was working around the clock. So much so that my wife would literally have to come in here in the morning into my office and say, I need to speak with you about something. When can you fit me into your calendar? That's not the way life should be with one's wife, but she knew I had an extremely tight schedule, not with just work, but the other things I'm involved with. So I have tried to limit my efforts towards finding my next place in the business world because I know the efforts I put in are really not going to impact what Hashem has laid out for me and what's in store for me. But I do do my part, but I try to minimize it to about an hour a day. And I have phone conversations with friends and uh, old work colleagues, and all those conversations are exactly what I need to hear in that moment, is there's nothing by accident. You know, I reached out to one of my friends I used to work with a number of years ago at a previous organization prior to the one I had that was just at, and he had actually interviewed with me about six months ago to be on my sales team. But his wife ended up telling him she didn't want him to travel anymore, so declined the position. So I reached out to him, and I said, so what did you end up doing? And he said, look, I haven't done anything. And he goes, the reality is, Dan, he goes, we don't need any money at all. I've done very well. Investment accounts done very well. His wife's a very A-type personality, high-profiled executive, does very, very well. But he said she doesn't need to work anymore either. She just likes to work. So I've just been playing golf four to five days out of the week. And I said, well, why did you interview with me? And he said, because I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> he goes, I, I'm really, really bored. And after I had that conversation with him, I realized what Hashem was trying to tell me via my friend is that we know the source of meaning. We have Torah. You know, I was also just sort of contemplating this idea that there's so many millions and millions and millions of dollars being created right now out of non, in non-traditional venues. Like I had a meeting with a financial advisor around four or five months ago, and he said that his largest client was someone in their early 20s. And how did he come about where he's been making millions and millions and millions of dollars a year since he was 15, 16 years old? He was recording himself playing video games. And to share with his friends, and he posted on YouTube, and he got a very wide following. And through that, he became a multi-multi-millionaire at a young age. And then you hear about people who made so much money in Bitcoin, using it early on in, you know, in its genesis, when it was a few pennies, because they were using it as a way to acquire their illegal drugs in the dark web, and avoiding potential oversight by the authorities. And their stash they had in that Bitcoin account, of course, became worth tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Hashem is orchestrating all this, my friends, for us, the Jewish people, to remind us that He can create wealth 
anywhere he wants. But what the rest of the world does not understand, and what we need to understand is what matters, is that we have Torah. We know what our purpose is. Our purpose is to serve our Creator, to learn Torah, to fulfill mitzvot, and to pray with Him, knowing we are only relying on Hashem for all our sustenance, all our ideas, all our growth for everything, and building that connection deeper and deeper. And then another conversation I had with a, a few people was they were telling me that when it comes to looking for a job, they told me you got to treat it like it's a job. I mean, you got to make it a nine hour day looking for a job. And that too was very valuable lesson. Not that to do that, but the, again, to bring appreciation to the fact that I'm a Jew. We don't go by those rules. Hashem's very clear in his Torah that no, we don't do that. And that led me to really rethink how I structured my day and took advantage of the opportunity that Hashem was presenting to me in this time in my life. And I decided that instead of studying here in my office, which has lots of distractions, I went to the Kolel and I told the rabbis there, I said, hey, I lost my job. I would like this to be my office. Is there a place where I can sit? I don't want to sit in someone's spot. And they said, of course. And that's where I've been all week. Going in a little late today so I can record this podcast, but that's been my day. That's my office. I have my calls with a recruiter, I make a phone call to a contact to get a lead. I do those things in the first hour of the day, and then I go sit and learn. And it's been the greatest week of my life, just sitting and learning Torah in such a place around people that are on a much higher level than me. I mean, they're sitting there reading there and debating the Gemara, and I have my, thank God for art scroll, I have my Mishnah elucidated where everything's sort of very neatly laid out for me to understand. I have the Mishnah Bura, all written in English with the commentary explaining everything. I have my Rabbi Nachman that I'm studying, but just being in there with them has just been a very special time for me, and I hope I can do this as long as possible before Hashem says, I need you to get back to work, and here's what you're going to be doing. The other thing I wanted to share with you is, you know, as I've been you know, learning the morning prayers and everything's almost been like learning the schedule. You know, I have my Nate's timer and I know where I need to be. And I've been very focused on just learning to be at those, those right points in time. So I can be ready for Baku when the Hazan says it's time to move on to the blessings of the Shema. But now, my friends, oh, these prayers take on an entirely new meaning. I mean, all of these prayers and the, the words, praiseworthy is man who trusts in Hashem. Everything is about putting our trust in Hashem. You are my rock and you are my redeemer. All these things that was sort of just reading through, now I'm connecting to every one of these verses. I understand them. I understand why they are there. Why, before we can even get to Shimon Esrei and begin our petition for things we want, we first have to understand. That's why we spend you know, the first 10, 12 minutes of our davening knowing that everything comes from Hashem before we can even get to that point to make any request. Even in Shimon Esrei, you know, we have the verse, sustains the living with kindness, supports the fallen, and heals the sick. This is what Hashem wants of us, to get past the illusion that anything we have in our possession came from our own two hands. That's why when we wash our hands in the morning, 
we look at our hands, we hold them up to tell ourselves nothing that I earned today came from these hands. Before we have a bread meal, we wash our hands and look at our hands. We are saying, the food I'm about to eat did not come from these hands. It all came from Hashem. So why do we worry about these things, these financial matters? Hashem can create wealth. What we are really all lacking is a deeper and deeper level of Amuna and Bidachon. And so over the last three weeks, I've come to understand these things at a much deeper level. And it would never have happened if Hashem had not orchestrated the events the way he did. It was something I had prayed for, and it was something I told you. I told you, my audience, I said, I want to have these experiences and share them with my brothers and sisters. And my executive director, Hashem, said, you got it, Dan. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to create an experience that you can truly share with all. Thank you for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.